the good, the bad, and the Boucherian. The good, the bad, and the Boucherian. And folks, you're listening to the good, the bad, and the Boucherian. What's what's really the purpose to wood? Like, I don't feel like we have a choice, really. Mm-hmm. You know? So, and he he told me he told me something that stuck with me. He said people died for you to have that right to vote. So, by you not choosing not to vote, you're doing a great injustice to them. Where were you? Where were you during post-election violence? I remember. I mean, I just, all I remember is. There was tear gas and fire, and I was putting a matatu to Miru alone. <laughs> alone? Alone. <laughs> what do you mean? That's all I remember. Like, I was just thrown into a matatu to Miru. And I remember I sat, I sat in the back next to some some ladies. Mm-hmm. And they reached Mwaya, and I think they bought me soda because uh-huh. I was alone. You were literally seven. Yeah. <laughs> How? Yeah, because I okay, I can't remember why my mom couldn't travel with me at that time, but she came later. Mm-hmm. But I remember there was a lot going on in town, like there was fire. I remember seeing fire and tear gas and everything. Mm-hmm. It's your boy Billy back at it with another episode. I hope you guys are keeping well, keeping safe amidst the pandemic and things are going well on your side as they are on mine. Today, my guest in studio is Lorna Kendi, a UON pharmacy student who is passionate about women issues such as gender-based violence. Speaking of, we actually even went to Usikime with you. We should actually do a recap of that uh, community service and tell the guys our experience because that's even a unit I'm doing currently, family law. Uh, she also enjoys to paint, and she's an artist, an entrepreneur, and she's a politician by birth, by heart, and by what she does. Can you tell us about all these things? Can you even tell us about her political journey? As when I speak about that, as as you can see, the political climate in the country, we're going to an election season, and it's, I think it's part of my duty as someone with a platform to try offer a bit of civic education, to try have the youth have discourse on these issues as these issues are things that directly affect us. So yeah, so Lorna, tell us. Hey, I'm tired. I'm, I've still not recovered from campaigns and everything. <laughs> tell me about it. How was it very rigorous? Was it as easy as? Because remember, the only time I've been in a campaign, probably in high school and primary elections, where we didn't need to do much. Obviously, there's the whole trying to campaign. But it wasn't as I, I, I at the end of it, I didn't feel as tired as you're feeling right now. So tell me about university politics. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, like you, just like you, I thought it was. I, I, I didn't think it was a big deal until I got there, and I was like, "Hey, <laughs> university mm. politics uh-huh. is quite serious. It's quite serious." Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, okay. Initially, I was vying for a faculty position. Mm-hmm. And okay, it was serious. But okay, for my faculty, 
I'm in the Faculty of Health Sciences. For my mm-hmm. for my faculty, it's my faculty isn't really it's not political. Uh huh. Like people are elected according to merits. Like these people actually look at what you've done for them, what you can do for them, and that's when they elect you. Mm-hmm. But now, so after vying for after vying for the faculty, I decided to vie for council. Mm-hmm. So now council is a whole UN, <laughs> and that's where I got. I really got shocked. I didn't expect uh-huh. it to be political and that intense but yeah it's very intense it's very intense because you know for 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 council now you're trying to get votes from all the faculties kisumu Uh and mombasa included (laughs) really yes yeah Uh uh-huh yeah so it's it's very it's quite rigorous wait maybe i'm getting a bit too ahead of myself just wait let's first tell the listeners tell us about lona tell us about her childhood was she always did she always love politics? Is something that she came to love just in uni. So let's start with the root of all of this about Lona. <laughs> has she always been a leader? Has she always had that confidence to want to lead people? So tell me about it. Ever since little Lona. Uh, okay, so I feel like there are two things that I've had. Actually, three things that I've had from basically when I could talk. Mm-hmm. And these three things were: I wanted to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. I was very entrepreneurial, and I've always been a politician, from mm-hmm. as early as I can remember. Really? Yeah. Uh huh. As I remember, because I remember in had we had school as school government, and I remember I even have a poster <laughs> for I think class four, and I was very. Uh huh. Yeah, so I've I've always been into politics from primary, high school, all the way. This is something that's just always been in me, alongside entrepreneurship and business. A doctor. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so these are things that uh, when something is in you, you you just have to accept. You know, you can't have been with you all along from when you were a child yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah so, so yeah basically <laughs> so is it does does that mean that with politics have you always been confident and uh have you always had leadership skills were you those people we say were born leaders or did you learn leadership uh i believe people learn leadership Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you talk about confidence, mm-hmm. you know, con- there's no way to know whether confidence is real or not. <laughs> uh-huh. So I feel like that's that's a land, a land thing. But from our, when I was young, I'd take leadership positions. Even like when we'd play as children, you know, there's that always one. There's always that one person who's organizing everyone else. Yeah, yeah. that that used to be me. <laughs> Uh huh. Uh huh. I've just carried it on to now. Yeah. So I can't say I I learned the skills. Mm-hmm. I learned the skills along the way, but all along, this is something that's been in me from when I was a child. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And now, high school. In high school, did you also, now that in primary you went for senator, in high yeah. school, did you also go for any positions? In high school, I was chair lady for my house. Mm. Yeah, a lady for my house and a lady for a number of clubs. I was also uh-huh. in MUN. I was mm-hmm. also an official there. Yeah, so I did. I did go for those opportunities. Cause I remember MUN. You had to apply to be a to be a leader in MUN. Even mm-hmm. actually, all all those clubs, you had to apply and you know go through merits. Are you an active member? What are, what have you been doing for our club? What have been have you been doing for the house? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I did. I still did go for those positions in high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, do you think those positions um, prepared you for the UN UN politics, or that was child's play? Honestly, I don't think I can compare UN politics to anything. <laughs> But, really, uh, <laughs> I, honestly, that was a totally, a completely different experience. Mm-hmm. Completely different experience. But yeah, they did, they did prepare me because, you know, uh, as chair, okay, I, I feel like as chair lady of my house, I, that really prepared me with being able to deal with all sorts of people mm-hmm. because that's something chaladies really have to deal with. You know, we, as a chalady, you're dealing with from ones, from twos, from threes, of all sorts of the, the country. So I, I feel like that really prepared me for that, to be able to deal with all sorts of people amicably and mm-hmm. being able to also think fast, think fast and be on your toes. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. I learned that from that experience as a chalady. So now you've talked about how rigorous this UN politics is. And I want you to take us a, into a deep dive of how it really is. Because for me, I, I even uh, tweeted the other day how much respect I do have for people who run for leadership on positions in university. It really shocks me that some people really don't want to just do their coursework and leave and have nothing extra to do in school. So anyone who actually puts themselves out there, I'm always like, wow, you know. Where do you guys even get this strength? So, and you know, obviously, politics, as you said, is it's not as linear, and the workload isn't as you know. At least in high school, as much as your chairman or a prefect, uh, a lot of that workload is left to you could do it with the teachers. But this one, you actually have to do the work, or and if you don't do the work, we evidently see that you're not actually doing the work and you voted you in. So, tell me about this UON politics, because again, you told me how UN is the baby of politics in Kenya. And I was also talking to someone the other day and they're telling me uh, the importance of politics, especially in UN, where, uh, the, what, do I, what exactly did they say? And they told me, you know, if you're the, um, the head of, is it UNSNA or something? UNSA. And you call a strike, that means the whole CBD has to stop. In short, you've stopped the whole Nairobi if you do that. And so you're just telling me how much power uh, you guys who are in politics have. So tell me about that. Tell me about all of it. The good, the bad, and... <laughs> uh, okay, as 
UN politics is truly the baby, the child of leadership in our country. We've seen leaders from UN progressing from student leadership going, moving on into office. So, uh, okay, this was actually supposed to be, not even supposed to be, this is the beginning of my political journey. I do intend to vie for office in future. So mm-hmm. this was my first step. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, basically how it works is there's um, there's a different faculties. Uh-huh. Uh, the different faculties. So the faculties have elections to elect a chairperson, basically a team, a government for each faculty. So mm-hmm. when they go through the election process, the students vote for their leaders, for who they think is going to represent them best and is going to have their best interests at heart. I do hope that that's how they vote, having those thoughts in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's that. Then now the the the, the three leaders, okay, they're usually a team. There's the chairperson, the vice chairperson, a secretary general, a sports representative. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope I'm not, oh, and an international student representative. Mm-hmm. So that basically forms the government of a faculty. So now mm-hmm. uh, from that faculty government, they're going to choose three people. These three people are going to be delegates. And these mm. delegates now vote for the council. Now the council is the chair, person, vice chair, person, secretary general, sports representative, international representative, and people with disabilities representative. So these three delegates from each faculty basically just vote in now the council that's going to head the whole of UN. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's basically how the government is structured and how it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so at what are all the, are getting all these positions hard or are some easier than others? And uh, are you elected as a political party? So does, uh, you see, there's a sports rep, international students rep, and all of that, vice chairman and chairman. Do you all get elected? Or I can decide to, so do we vote, in short, do we vote for a team to take the all positions or do we vote for individuals? You see how you can vote for president, um, governor, whatnot, whatnot, but do you, it can be from different political parties and stuff. Is that the case? Uh, no, so you do vote in a team, mm-hmm. and that's where and that's where I feel like the a very important aspect is putting people together, like different people together that you know will bring votes in. So you're going to uh-huh. have different people from different. Uh, okay, for example, at the faculty level, you're going to have mm-hmm. medical students, dental students, pharmacy students. Uh, medical lab students, nursing students, you put them all together to pull the votes to vote for a team. Same as council. Mm-hmm. You vote for a team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so with this team, like for example, you tell me your experience with getting the right team. Because I believe even as you guys went and were vying, you believed you had the right team. So what were some of the criteria you guys used for your team? And um, how do you pick, quote-unquote, the right team? How do you know I'm going to gel well with these people? Or is it a matter of now we're here? So in my BD, we have to gel. 
Okay, so my the first my first team when I was going for faculty, uh, the basis, the core, I feel like the principal core value of my team at that time was the unification of all the schools in the Faculty of Health Sciences. Because um, most times we find that there's not adequate representation for for pharmacists, med lab, or nursing. So that was the, one of the core of my team, to bring all these people together, to all work together, to make all the individual schools great. You know, when all the individual schools are doing great, obviously as a faculty, we're going to do very well. So that was the basis of the formation of my first team. Uh, went through a very rigorous nomination process and we had issues, sadly, we had some issues and we had to disband the team. So we had to forfeit um, our faculty. Then now the second team I was in now for council, uh, that one I was just picked. So after my team got dismantled, by the nomination is very rigorous, very rigorous, guys. They ask you for a certificate of good conduct. You have to be cleared by your dean. So really? Then yeah. by the police? Yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> you have to be cleared by the dean. So that means your academics have to be okay. Uh, what else? Wait, with academics, I was told if you have a soup, you can't run. Yeah, yes, it's true. You can't. Yeah, so you get a certificate of good conduct, and that's that messed up a lot of people because you know it takes uh, almost a month to be generated. Mm -hmm. So that that made a lot of people to be eliminated. That's actually one of the reasons why we had to dismantle the team because we had some people with issues with good conduct. Yeah, so when what are the issues? You know, they, okay, they, there's a deadline to submit them. Mm -hmm. So if you don't submit the good conduct, you can't proceed. Mm -hmm. And like it's generated in a month. So there's no way you can fasten, you can fast the process or anything. You have to wait. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people like the, the deadline reached and their good conducts weren't ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you have to provide an original one. So that caused some issues. The guys who had apparently fake good conduct, that caused an issue. You actually, you're charged, you pay a fine. I think it's 50,000 or 100. Really? Yeah, you No pay. way. It's that I'm serious. So serious. Uh -huh. It's that serious. Uh -huh. uh, then you have to also submit a biodata form. So this basically just ensures that no two people from the same ethnic group and in the same team. So you have to be different people from different parts of Kenya to vie as a team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's those are basically... Different types of people in terms of tribe, in terms of yeah, in where terms, you live. In terms of ethnicity. Mm -hmm. That's also another issue we had. <laughs> you guys, Nairobi Gang, you'd, you'd been, you, are, you are together. Yeah, but now, you know, they also look at the tribe. So I'm, I'm Meru. There was another lady that was supposed to be on our team who was also Meru. Mm -hmm. So we had to remove her. It was just, nominations are just very stressful. Hey, I'm uh -huh. telling you, you run, you run around school. It's crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's basically 
the requirements for nomination. So nomination saw a lot of team being dismantled. Actually, no team was cleared from my faculty because all of us had issues. But then um, one team managed to get that team back together in time and they proceeded un unopposed because us now, we decided to forfeit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, those are the requirements. Uh, so after my team sadly was this, this dismantled, I, I was put in a team to vie for council. I was a bit hesitant at first because you know, like this is my first time vying, <laughs> and mm -hmm. I'm going straight for straight for you know like straight for the big office. So I was a bit hesitant at first, but then I decided, let me just take the opportunity. You know, mm -hmm. nothing, it won't hurt to try. So yeah, that's how I ended up on a team with very amazing. I'm so happy. Like I was so lucky because my team was a group of very amazing intellectual individuals. Mm -hmm. I was in that space with people who critical thinkers and good leaders. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so in so that's a team you would recommend any day. Any day, any day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are people Actually. that have genuine the genuine interests of the students at heart. Truly. What? What 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 did you guys really want to bring in reform as you joined? And how did you now meet this new team? Did they pick you? Did you pick them? Uh, okay, they picked me. They picked mm -hmm. me. Now, coming as after nominations, now teams are trying to now get their teams back together with people that were dropped off because of good conduct and issues. So now they are trying to reconstitute teams. So I was picked to fill up a team. I didn't know these people before that time. Mm. So yeah, they picked me and we we had to bond in one, two days, get to know each other, get to know how we're going to work together, get to know the way forward. So yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. What was your other question? Um what what reforms did you guys want to bring into place oh yes so um currently unza has a very bad reputation for mm -hmm. like unza is not known for the right things we know unza for leaders that get into office pocket money and don't do work leaders that steal from students you know such things those are the things that you mm -hmm. hear when you hear unza so what we wanted to do, first of all, uh, my team was a team that was based on transparency. We were supposed mm -hmm. to go into office and make all transactions transparent, you know, no transactions mm -hmm. behind the corners. Students don't know what's going on. You know, we were supposed to bring an end to that. That's one of the reforms that we hope to achieve. Another thing is there are issues that have been on manifestos from as long mm -hmm. as 2019. Can you imagine? Uh -huh. These are issues that they've been there. People are, like leaders are saying they're going to cater to them, but nothing is done. Uh -huh. So these are issues that we wanted to solve once and for all. Issues with uh, the holds of residence for the students, issues with uh, exams, delay of results. People, people do exams in the UN, 
that's why you hear Watwakisema. Sorry, that's why you hear people saying you go to your end, you graduate after 20 years. Because you know you do your exam. Yeah. Your results don't come out and you're left as chanted. Yeah. Yeah. So that's right. One that, yeah. Hey, mm-hmm. That's one of that's one of the things we wanted to bring an end to. Because you know there's no way you're mm-hmm. going to sit exams and then you don't have your results. You sat the exam, you've finished, you're supposed to be graduating, but you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's also an issue where currently students aren't allowed to sit exams without clearing school fees. Mm-hmm. So that's also an issue internet to address because uh, I feel like you shouldn't, you know, it's, there are some exams, I don't know if it's in all faculties, but in my faculty, there's some exams that if you don't do it, you don't do it. You have to retake the, the entire year. And for us, if you don't pass really? a unit, yeah. For us, if you don't pass one unit, you can't go on to the next year. You repeat the whole year. Hey, uh-huh. So you see, there's just that there's such issues. And I feel like that's so easily resolved. And someone shouldn't be struggling, wasting a whole year because of one exam, you know. It's yeah. very unfair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, issues with insecurity as well. Insecurity mm-hmm. yeah, about people being mugged. Those are issues that you shouldn't... Can you imagine someone leaving their home, probably not someone that doesn't even live in Nairobi, leaving their home and coming to die in school? It's so sad. Uh-huh. It's so sad. It's so sad. So that's another issue we hope to resolve. Um, yeah, we had we had a very <laughs> thorough manifesto. And also for uh, people with disabilities, we also needed to cater for them. Because mm-hmm. there are people that have needs that are very specific to them, you know. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to provide a community for them, to cater for them, for their needs. For them, for them to even have a safe space and somewhere that can they can call a community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, the state of uh, I don't know if you've been to Cheromo campus. Uh, have I? I'm not sure. I Chiro, I have. I have. Yeah, actually, have just by just passing there. Yeah. So at Cheromo, there's some uh, well, the halls, the lecture halls. Some of them are in very poor state. There's one called LLT. It has no mm-hmm. windows. It has no windows. The drainage is very poor. There's a washroom just when you enter, and it's constantly leaking. So you can imagine being in a lecture hall with this sun in Nairobi, with a mm. stench, with a stench from a a washroom. There's no windows. It's just it's bad. These are not learning conditions for people that are going to be the future leaders of Kenya. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So such things, we're supposed to address such things because, you know, you're paying off, uh, we're paying a lot of school fees, but are we getting what's worth for that school fees? That's a question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. these are some issues that we hope to address. You talked about uh, this being one of the most important things you've ever done in your life. And so I just wanted to ask how so, how important was this thing to you? And why was it, why did you carry so much importance in your life? Uh, okay. Personally, I, I feel like I'm a person who is very affected by the pandemic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Personality-wise, uh, I was already very quiet. Ways? I was already very quiet when I become I became quieter, very 
reserved, very secluded. You know, I was in my mm-hmm. own bubble. Mm-hmm. It's just myself, you know. So for me, this was leaving my comfort zone completely. Yeah. Like I went from zero to a hundred, you know, mm-hmm. from a place where I was just in my own bubble and my own comfort zone to a place where I had, I was bearing the responsibility to potentially advocate for the whole of UN and the whole of, of the student's body. So this was something very important to me because these are things that I never even thought. You know, those things that you you dream about, you think about. Because I remember with last year's election, I, I was looking at the person like, I should die one day. And <laughs> the one day came sooner than I expected. Uh-huh. So, yeah, this is this was very important to me because it's the actualization and the implementation of my dreams and my thoughts. Like I said, this this is the start of my political journey. I do intend mm-hmm. to buy for office. And yeah, this was the beginning for me. So this bore a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now you've even talked about your personality and you told me you're an, are you an introvert? Yeah. And so for me, when I think of politics... I'm very introverted. Now that you've added very. Now you need to explain that because for me, when I think about politicians, I think about a loud person. I think about um, someone who's very good with people. I think about someone who, you know, the stereotypic Kenyan politician. So tell me how your introvertedness um, comes into play with politics, how you're able to handle that, how you're able... Because I think... Politics as well involves interaction with a lot of people. So even with that, does your social be treated? Um, when it's necessary, I I can I can interact with people. So um, this was actually hard for me being an introvert because you know, with campaigns you have to speak to a lot of people. Okay, for us now we were speaking to trying to speak to delegates, and I remember there was a night. Uh, we were hosting so many delegates. Uh, we had an Airbnb. So we were hosting so many delegates and I had to... It was so exhausting for me. Like, you know, my social battery died, but then I still had to talk to these people, entertain them, host them. You know, you have to still talk to them, tell them, you know, our le- what our leadership is going to do for them, for their different faculties and for the school. So... Yeah, this was really out of my comfort zone, <laughs> being an mm-hmm. introvert. And like what you said, politicians being very loud. Um, you know, I feel like there's a very, there's a distinction between just politics and leadership. Uh-huh. Because politicians can say a lot, and they do say a yes. lot. But when you go back to the drawing board, what have they done? Mm. So for me, I can say... I'm not a person of very many words, but I do. I'm a, I'm a lady of action. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. So I may not be as loud as everyone else, but when it comes to advocating for other people and for speaking out against injustice, that's a, an area that I'm very passionate about and I'm very vocal when it comes to such matters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And wow, so, I, yeah. uh-huh. and now that you and brought about, you get, you get how to host delegates and all of that. And all of this is a budget out of your own pocket as a team. 
Yeah, because I remember we had to we had to contribute. You have to contribute to buy the posters, to make posters for the photo shoots, uh, mm-hmm. banners, t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Even meeting those delegates, you know, you have to meet them. They are going to, you know, these delegates. They are people who won in their faculties. Mm-hmm. So, as in, for them, it's already a done deal. Now you have to woo them to get oh, them to vote for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just that process, you have to host them. You take someone for coffee. <laughs> you take someone out for coffee. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I don't need for my nini next year. So you get so someone. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you are woo. Yeah. <laughs> And give them false hopes. Uh, but many people do that. Many people do that. They really take advantage. Uh-huh. I remember that night. That night, uh, we were hosting these delegates. Uh, my de- my team decided to cook, which I think was a very big mistake, mm-hmm. because, because? Uh, these people were so many. Mm-hmm. They were so many. Like I remember, we had to cook. Almost four times that night. Uh huh. So you cook for people. More people come. I know you. You can't. You can't. You can't miss to give people food because you know they've come. They come to see you. Yeah. And to talk to you. So you, there's no way you're going to not give them food. So yeah. There's a lot and of wooing. <laughs> oh, oh, now let's go. Now it's important. All yeah. about <laughs> Yes. And they take advantage because uh-huh. you know them. They've, they've already won, so now it's up mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even with now. that, at that point, are you able to tell if these guys are actually serious about you guys, or you can like are they serious about you, or they're just coming here to just uh, waste your time? Like you know, are you able to tell, or do are, do, are they really good actors and? pretend they care or do do they actually care about what you guys have to say so they come and you know uh okay uh for that there are people obviously who just take advantage but at mm-hmm. the same time they know they're not going to vote for you so they do take advantage there are people like that but there are people who they're also leaders that are genuinely interested and concerned about what you're going to do for them what you're going to do for their mm-hmm. faculty once you're in power what you're going to do for the school those are leaders mm-hmm. that I came to really respect. Mm-hmm. Because for them, it's not just about a title or money or power. They are, these are people that actually genuinely care about students. Yeah. Yeah. And now you've brought up money. Are these guys actually paid? Uh, y- yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, okay, but that that aside, um, you talked about um again, you when uh politics being the baby of Kenyan politics, how is that so? Uh, okay, for me personally, I feel like the whole process, going through nominations, going through campaigns, going through everything, even the election process, I feel like it it prepares you to be able to navigate politics in now the outside world in Kenya, Kenyan politics, because it's structured very similar. 
mm-hmm. to how elections are conducted. So it does it does help you navigate, be able to navigate and know this is what I'm supposed to do, this is what I'm not supposed to do. Yeah, so it does provide those lessons. And um, like you said, your end leaders, <laughs> your end student leaders are very powerful. So mm-hmm. they do, they, I believe they do get connections with mm-hmm. politicians, with politicians. So that can also help. You know, when you have mm-hmm. a mentor, when you have a mentor who's in government, that can also yeah. help. Yeah. Hmm. And now that now that you're entering politics, and that's your end goal, um, is it something you'll pursue after finishing med school, or is it something you'll do a bit of med school stuff, your pharmacy, and enter into politics? Uh, so I do intend to practice because I'm still, I'm still very passionate about my course, so I will practice. But I feel like the end goal for me, whichever path I take, the end goal for me is to vie for office and to be in office. So I do intend to practice for a while, uh, get involved with a bit of social work, get involved, acclimatize myself with politics, and then eventually vie for office. Yes. And when you say office, what, what is office? Which position is this that is called office? <laughs> you know how Kenyan politics is. You have to start from from the bottom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, hopefully MCA as a start, mm-hmm. and gradually climb up the ladder. You wouldn't want to start with woman woman rep. Uh, I would. I would. I. But I. I don't think it's wise. Mm-hmm. I think it's the best. You know, leadership speaks for itself. Yeah. You know, I can't suddenly just pop up and vie for women rep. I have to build a name for myself and show the people that I'm willing to work. And mm-hmm. that's, I'm, I'm there to work for them. Yeah, so I intend and... to build my name with a smaller position and then gradually go up. Another thing, talking about politics, I want you to talk a bit about... Um... Do you believe there's this whole thing called deep state? Does it, is it something that actually exists? Or if you actually put in the work, you can actually get any of these positions? And uh, two is, um, please talk about uh, the political climate in the country at the moment and what you'd like the youth to know, even as they head into the election period. Uh, okay. So I do believe the deep state exists. In as much as we are a democratic republic, there's a lot of bureaucracies. And this is something Mm -hmm. we can't deny. It's right in front of our eyes. We can see it. Uh, With Mm -hmm. leaders that have been in power for years and family names. You know? Mm -hmm. So I do believe it's there. But I also believe that Kenyans have the power to end it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if uh, I don't know if you watched uh, Boniface Mwangi's documentary. Mm-hmm. Softy. But yes, yeah, softy. Mm-hmm. I remember watching it, and he was vying for office, and some ladies were shunning him for not having money, asking who he is, Hana Pesa, what he what will he do for them without money? 
Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's just been the idea of our Kenyan politics. Leaders don't do anything for you in the five years that they're in office. And then around election period, they want to come, give you money, promise you heaven and beyond, you know. Mm-hmm. And and you you're sort of blinded from the five years that you've been suffering, from the five years that you've been driving on roads that are terrible in poor condition for the five years that we have nothing to say about empowering women for the five years that we have nothing to say about creation of jobs for the youth you know so Mm -hmm. i feel like as as long as kenyans can choose to open their eyes and choose to elect leaders based on merit and not Mm -hmm. because someone is popular not because someone is from ethnicity not because someone has money. As soon as we choose to open our eyes and elect leaders based on merit, we can go very far as a country. Mm-hmm. And we can even see that with the current, the current uh, state of the nation right now, politically. Mm-hmm. We're, hearing crazy, we're hearing crazy promises. People, our politicians are promising us, promising us heaven. But are they going to yeah. deliver? Are they going to do what they're going they're promising us? That's the question. Mm-hmm. If you look at their track record, what they promised us, the previous elections, have they done it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I feel like as Kenyans, as soon as we choose and we choose to open our eyes, we choose to elect good leaders, we would go very far. And is it an issue of um because now that you bring bring that up? That's like for you, you're a very critical thinker. Do you think that's the case with majority of Kenyans, or is it a matter of poverty and illiteracy that go into the same cycles? Because I think, have you watched? Did you watch this documentary by Nation Media called Crowds for Hire? Um, in the film, as Boniface Mwang says, that once you go to a place you don't have money, everyone shuns you if you're going to a political rally and you've not paid the youth to come, they're wondering what is this person telling us. And for me, I was looking at it and thinking, probably it's not that linear as we think because for these guys to accept a 500 bob at that rally is because of poverty. Yeah. For you, probably you're promising them heaven. You're not giving them money at the moment, but you're promising them once they enter into office, I'll give you guys A, B, C, and the long term. But for them, the thing about tomorrow's meal so what how does that look like like what is the best way to go around that what 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 would be the remedy to that i do feel like poverty plays a very big role in the kind of leadership we have Hmm. as you said someone who probably is living below the dollar Someone mm-hmm. who's living below the dollar at that moment, they're not thinking about the jobs that you're going to give them a couple of months after you're in office, or that mother, the mamamboga, isn't thinking about how you're going to empower her to start a, a, to further her business and to expand her business. These are these are people that are thinking about how they're going to put the next meal on the table. Yeah. So poverty poverty does play a big role in these dynamics in that when these mm-hmm. guys are offered money they don't they don't really think ahead that's they're trying to see who's mm-hmm. giving them who's who's 
who's going to give handouts the, of the highest amount, you know. And it's sad because people people actually do vote yeah. based on the handouts that they receive during campaigns. And the youth are used also. The youth are also really used to perpetrate this. Yeah. With the money and the the campaign handouts and the t-shirts. You know, Kenya's population currently, we have, if I'm not wrong, about 35% of Kenyans living below the poverty line. And these are people, and a lot of land in Kenya is rural land, so that also contributes. But I feel like the solution to everything is providing education. If you provide mm -hmm. these people on how to manage finances and how to set up uh, investments, we can we can we can avoid some extreme extreme these extreme cases of poverty, and also focus mm -hmm. on things that are basic needs, such as healthcare, education, and housing. These are things that, mm -hmm. whether you're rich or poor, as a human being you should have. Mm -hmm. You know, the whole shanties situation. Yeah, yeah and the, and being able to get healthcare. If you can avoid those dire situations, mm -hmm. I feel like we, we can be in a position to have a choice because currently I don't feel like we have a choice really. In as much as we're a democracy, these people don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. You see, because them thinking that the person with the most money is going to help them is further feeding into that narrative. These people don't have mm -hmm. They're not able to see past how am I going to survive the next survive the next month. This man looks like he has a lot of money. He can do something for us. But then these leaders get into office and they forget about them completely until again the next elections are, are almost there. Mm. Yeah, so I feel like if we can just find long-term solutions and educate our country and our people on how to manage their money and how to make money, how to be entrepreneurs for the youth, not waiting around for jobs. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, with employment, the, the older generation, I feel like the older generation it also holds a lot of opportunities that should be given to the youth. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if we can encourage the youth also to create opportunities for themselves, that would also help. Mm -hmm. Speaking of, of even that generation holding jobs, I saw a certain quote that say, said something along the lines of for every five youths not having a job, there's a 55-year-old man who didn't know how to open a PDF uh, keeping that job. Yeah, just to yeah. see that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of the older generation is really holding these opportunities. Mm -hmm. You know, the and the, the the fact is the the youth are competent and they can do a good job. They can yeah. help make even push the economy further if given mm -hmm. the opportunities. Yes. You know, because you can imagine someone being in school for years. Now, let's use the example of UN, goes through school, has issues with uh, the exams, graduates late, 
only to trek for years again. Mm. It's, really, it's very unfair. Yeah. Yeah. Like it doesn't even make sense. Like what's the point of us turning out so many university graduates? What's the point yeah. of us having a full transition of guys into high school into uni yet beyond that there's no hope for them beyond that yeah. it's a life of tamaking of staying in jivaji gardens at least for the long no yeah it's very sad especially knowing that you devoted especially with those courses that take such a long time five five six seven years you can only mm. imagine how that would feel having devoted so many years to your education for it to yeah. turn out to nothing. Mm. Yeah, so it's very, it's very sad. So even as you wind up, what would you like to tell my audience and uh, the youth, even as they enter this election season, as you can tell, the tension is high and uh, the competitors really are coveting that presidential seat and every political party wants it all for themselves. So what would you advise until the youth as we enter this season uh first of all i'd like to advise the youth to maintain peace these are people that you're going to fight for and these are situations that we've seen in the past where the youth fight for these people literally go to war for these people for people who are going to shake hands behind closed doors and have a cup of tea mhm so it's it's really it's not worth it to lose your life over these leaders. It's not I, mm-hmm. it's it's really not worth it. So that's that's a first. It's important to maintain peace during this period. I would love for us to have an election without with no bloodshed. That would be mm-hmm. that would be good. It would prove that we've learned our lessons as a nation. Mm-hmm. And that also advise us to approach this approach this election period with a lot of wisdom with a lot of wisdom mm-hmm. look into your leaders look at what they have done in the past and vet them accordingly tribes status mm-hmm. uh them being popular is not enough to put them into office we need to yeah. vet them we need to vet them and even as uh when they'll be sharing the manifestos and doing the debates and advise us all to tune in and watch and listen to them and make the mm-hmm. right decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I agree with all you've said. I think a lot of people our age have a lot of there's a lot of voter apathy. Yeah. But when guys realize that politics is something that affects our daily lives, not necessarily directly, but even our economy when you see oil prices spiking when commodities in the country are going by 12% higher. All the yeah. things are affected by politics and the political climate in the country. So I, th- I, I hope that the listeners will take a more keen eye into scrutinizing and listening to what, as you said, the leaders are saying, what things have done in the past to see whether really the people want into power or not and to believe that their voices actually matter. Because if all youth decide to vote for a leader to change with actually overturn whoever you think is going to be the leader now. But since a lot of us don't obviously don't have standing lines or think the old guard has been there for too long or think that definitely our votes don't matter so it's there's no point, then at least for you, you can even attest that everyone's vote matters even from the election you 
hard that yeah. you'd actually tell people and even text guys, I hope you voted because you know how much that one vote actually matters, yeah. right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Because even for me during... My, uh-huh. Go ahead. Uh, and also, it's it's your right to vote. I remember I have a friend. His name is uh, Sean Quera. Mm-hmm. Sean Quera encouraged... I, I, I remember we were having a discussion and I asked him, mm-hmm. like, what's 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 really the purpose to vote? Like I don't feel like we have a choice really. Mm-hmm. You know? So and he he told me he told me something that stuck with me. He said people died for you to have that right to vote. So by you not choosing not to vote, you're doing a great injustice to them. So mm-hmm. I would encourage everyone to vote. To vote. Take mm-hmm. time and choose your leaders because in as much as you may not think these things affect you. They do, directly or indirectly. Mm-hmm. The leaders that you choose affect your future, the opportunities you're going to receive, the kind of Kenya you're going to live in. So it's important to vote. Mm, that's actually a very interesting perspective. I've never heard of it that way. I yeah. think that is one of my takes home from this episode. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, definitely. I think a lot of us, again, probably some people live with their parents, so they don't feel the pinch of the economy going haywire. But yeah. as you said, these are things that will affect you in the future. When you want a job and there are gatekeepers there and there's no opportunities for you, is when you remember that indeed you standing in the line at 5 a.m. was actually for a reason. Yeah, and even when you think about, yeah, and when you think about elections, we always just think about presidential candidates. But we forget that there are also many stakeholders in the politics, there's governors, there's senators, there's MCAs, there's women reps, there's all these other positions that if you chose rightly for your county, then definitely things are bound to change. Right? Yeah. So I guess the listeners should tweet at us at the Bushan Pod and follow us at the Good, the Bad and Bushan and tell us all they think about what we've discussed in today's episode. What are what the ideas about politics? Do they enjoy politics? Do they dislike politics? Do they think that despite our votes that nothing will change do they think that uh voting is not as important as we've made it to seem in this episode have a lovely week ahead folks and cheers